This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Empire. There is a tech boom in NASCAR, and everybody has to be ready for it. Being an engineer is a curse. For every answer you get, it creates two additional questions, so your work's never done. But at the same time, I have a common language with the guys to be able to understand what's going on and at least try to describe it to them better because I'm the only one that gets that seat of the pants feel and to be able to put it into words for them helps them to understand what I'm feeling and how we can potentially make the race car go faster. That's former Daytona 500 winner Ryan Newman on being on the cutting edge. The fans are next. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. And this is part two of our series on tech in NASCAR. We spent the weekend in Sonoma, California. I know, tough assignment. As the racing series made its annual stop in wine country, it was really hard to take your eyes off of the scenery. Pristine peaks and valleys littered with grapevines and beautiful sunsets. And the track itself is situated in the middle of a valley where with the right pass, you can watch the racers go by while having a sip of some of the good life. In part one, we spent the majority of our time in the pits, where it's still eventually Bud or Coors or Miller time. Yeah, we didn't want to miss out on any of NASCAR's plethora of sponsors. And we learned all about the tech going into the vehicles and for the teams, which had a twist. Much of it isn't seen, and the engineers and the sports governing body know this, so they're really weighing the price of modernization and whether it matches return in entertainment value. So let's focus today on how the sport will reach its fans with the things they want, and their options are endless. Here is NASCAR's Vice President of Digital, Tim Clark. Uh, a lot of the guys on our competition uh, team come from the team side. So they're, they're former crew chiefs or, or former, former engineers, or they've worked the manufacturers. And I think that dialogue doesn't work if it's not you know, inclusive of all of those parties. So. You know, our competition guys, uh, team engineers, uh, drivers, uh, representatives from, from Ford and Toyota and Chevrolet have to be at the same table to have this conversation. Uh, to, because to your point, I mean, they are, they're, they're all trying to outdo one another, uh, but at the end of the day, it's all, it's all part of the greater good. So I, I think it- uh, This is an entertainment company, it's, it's, right? It is. We are all in the entertainment. Yeah. Truth is, NASCAR has always been way more open with sharing access than most other professional sports. And now, with the advent of augmented and virtual reality, the broadcast figures to have even more tools to work with. Here's Steve Stum, an executive who has worked in NASCAR's broadcast productions for nearly two decades. Well, I think it's a, a great opportunity. There's not a lot of sports that can put a fan in the seat of the car. You know, you, you can't sit on Tom Brady's shoulders or LeBron's shoulders or something. But we can put you in the race car with Chase Elliott. Um, and we're doing one today. There's like eight races here. We have virtual reality cameras in the car. There's one today um, that we're watching. And I think augmented reality is something that's really cool because you see that a lot on the broadcast with 
uh, sports media pointers to the cars and things like that. So we think about sitting in the stands here watching a great race and where's your car at? So can we do a, a view through a screen on your phone and do pointers and stats over the pits and how many tires were changed and how long was the time for the pit stop, things like that. I think it's a great opportunity for sure. What's the, the appetite for virtual experiences from, from fans? What, what are you monitoring to see how much they want to be involved in a virtual experience with a race? We, we've done a lot in the past just hosting it, recording it in the car and putting it up on the website later. We've got tremendous um, interest and in, in hits on the website. So we started to the next step this year of just doing a, still an HD platform, just testing this year, eight or 10 races, like I said. And then I think next year, what we hope to do is get multiple cameras and multiple cars, or at least a camera in multiple cars, like eight to 10 cars that we think about in the future. Um, and stats in that virtual world so you can bounce around from car to car. I think it'll be a really cool opportunity. People look at it, yeah. No sport may already have more options for viewing its content than NASCAR. A few dozen cars at any time with camera angles inside and out of the vehicles, immersive virtual experiences, and of course, gambling is coming. It makes you wonder if second screen is really too restrictive. NASCAR could be considering second, third, and even fourth screens. Here's Tim Clark, Vice President of Digital again. You know, you asked about gambling earlier. I, I wonder if that doesn't become part of the, the broadcast experience, right? Is there a more, um, and I think there's been broadcasters over the years that, that have done it um, in, in a very uh, subtle way. But I wonder if that's not so subtle. Right, right, yeah. Exactly. Right. But I wonder if that doesn't become part of the way that you tell the story, which gives you just more... Um, more fan engagement during the course of the broadcast and I think the other thing is it's got to be it, it's got to be a little bit quicker and and, a, and, and more more fast paced yeah. um, I just think there's which is interesting to say because it's the fastest sport yeah. in America and yet <laughs> right. people want some kind of immediacy attached that's to exactly it. right and but I think that's a fair expectation because I don't think there's no there's no there's no um, vertical that hasn't been disrupted not only by its own vertical but by every other vertical right you're not you're you're not competing with what's on the other few channels that day and that time you're competing with everything else your kids soccer games uh, you know social media all of these different things that you know you're you're competing for eyeballs and competing for attention and, and, and you've got to optimize that way, and that includes the broadcast. And, and I think we've got, you know, the partners we have uh, in, in Fox and NBC do a tremendous job of that, and I know they're cognizant of that. Uh, and we have, I think, a, a very strong relationship specifically for that reason because, you know, we're, we, are, we maintain a, a very close relationship with the fans and, and have a, a, a good dialogue to understand what they want. And if we can inform that back to the broadcaster to keep that, uh, that that conversation going uh, a little bit more uh, more advanced pace that's better for everybody. You know, the second screen gives a fan the opportunity to experience the sport in, in a different way than and you would just on linear television, because you'll have access to a bunch of different content and 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 views of the racetrack. And as we get better and smarter with things like 360 cameras, VR, AR, I mean that's going to change the, the entire second screen experience uh, for fans, where you, where you can probably. You know, obviously the, the ideal situation, I don't know if we'll ever get there, is, hey, you'd be able to maybe race. You, you can virtually race on the actual racetrack that they're, that they're racing on live. Put on the goggles, I'm Ryan Newman. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And you can probably, you know, race against the real guys on the track. I mean, that, that would be sort of the the, the ideal um, situation. And who knows, maybe we can get there someday. But I think, you know, like partnerships like AWS, as we build scale with them, how we can, you know, service uh, serve our data up to the cloud and bring that down in a much more faster and efficient way. 
and we'll probably be able to serve our, our fans with, with a lot of con with a lot of content um, around the race. You know, real real time to create a, a much more uh, rich sort of second screen experience. You know. That's Lou Garotti, a senior vice president of partnership marketing. He was part of a recent tech summit in the sport where all of these ideas and issues around the price of innovation were discussed. But here's what is not going to change. The engineers are always going to strive to find a way to gain an edge. David Wilson is the president and GM of Toyota Racing Development. Right, fans, fans want to see race cars, right? Yes. With all the stuff that's happening under that hood they don't know that much about right and 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 to, to be fair they don't care that much about it um you know a few years ago we were we were considering um modernizing the engines you know essentially um taking this older architecture and updating it um, relevancy is something that's important to toyota as well as our colleagues in ford and chevrolet um, we would ideally like to have technologies that are more similar to the cars and trucks that we sell in the showrooms. Um, but there is a cost to that change. There's always a cost to change. So a few years ago, we said, well, you know, we, 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 we urged NASCAR to talk to the fan base and, and um, ask them what was important to them about what's under the hood. And you know what came back? They would like to have big, powerful, noisy engines. I think many fans couldn't tell you how many cubic inches are in that engine, right? Or, or how many valves or valve springs. You know, that is not why they come to the racetrack. So the balancing is, uh, the balancing, part of the balancing act is, again, as a manufacturer, as an engineering organization, we love the technology. You know, we, we, we love to exploit um, the, the window of technology, but, but in the end, we can't be, we can't get so full of ourselves to think that this is about us because it's not. This is about the fans. Plus, there are those in the sport providing on-site experiences. Steve Page is the president at Sonoma Raceway. He's been there for more than two decades, and he's seen the venue change dramatically. But even he wonders how much have the fans' tastes changed in how they want to connect with the sport. The, the thing that it takes away is the socialization that a big event has where people actually interact with each other. And that's, you know, the, the fear that I have is a lot of this digital stuff and the people on their phones, they're, they're ignoring, you know, they're sitting at dinner and having, they're both sitting, sending text messages to other people. Um, I think, I'm, I think socialization is a is something that we like to encourage and make part of what we do. And the, the idea of people in headsets living in a virtual world and not interacting with each other is actually something that concerns me a little bit. Caught in the middle of all of this are the competitors themselves. NASCAR, they'll let fans walk down pit road. You can listen to in-race communications. And if you want, you can even get an in-car view. And as Tim Clark and I discussed in Sonoma's Tech Hub, the VIP area that had that amazing view of Napa Valley, the accessibility makes fans and broadcasters actually uneasy. They need their time to get ready, work, and perform, right? Well, NASCAR weighs that and decided that it's going to welcome its fans into the whole thing, like it or not. 
So we got the opportunity to speak with one of the top-tier drivers on the circuit, Ryan Newman and his crew chief, Scott Graves, about all of it, tech, fans, and what the future looks like to them. it's all based off the computer um, you know since we started getting more and more computers and figuring out how to use them to apply them to the, to the race car and the racetracks and every part of what we do um, it's taken a, it's taken us away from the racetrack and put us at the computer desk more often than not so um, working with simulators working with simulation um, you know trying to figure out how to make more downforce and things like that is all computer based and you know we used a lot of old school techniques before we had computers and then we apply those old school techniques to what we can learn from the computers and try to make the race cars go faster. So, so the modern driver is what now? Modern driver is still a modern driver. There's just only a few of us that actually understand the technical part of it. Um, a lot of guys, you know, make a good living off of not understanding or having a clue about it, but it's fine. But you know, I've always taken the approach of understanding it or trying to understand it more, so I can give better feedback to my team to make the race car go faster. What have you seen? What have been the biggest changes for you as you've watched the sport evolve? Uh, a lot of what he talked about, I know, you know, when I first got into it, simulation was very basic. It was Excel spreadsheets and things like that that we worked with. Um, and then as it's advanced, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, full-blown programs that you, like, you can't go to the track without it now. You know, you go and then you're basing your whole weekend, your practice plan, um, everything on uh, what simulation has. Um, and you still try to apply some of the, you know, the knowledge um, you know, from the, like say, some of the old school knowledge from the past, you know what, what basic things do, but, and you kind of correlate to that simu to the simulation, um, but you can use sim to kind of develop new areas and new, new thoughts and drive down new paths and, and test things out as well, so um, it's definitely advanced quite a bit that way. And then the, the wind tunnel side of it um, has become, become huge, the aerodynamics is a really big part of it now, so uh, really advanced a lot in those areas. You know, we've talked to a lot of people, it, it, it's interesting, the technology is changing so fast in your sport, and yet what the fans want is just cars going fast and winning, so where's the balance as you see things changing in your sport, and what actually matters to what the fans want to see? Well, I think the most important thing is you don't want to see the same thing over and over again. So when you go to a racetrack, you don't want to see the same guy winning. You don't want to see the same kind of race. You want to see something different, some diversity and you know, the strategy and things the way they play out um, otherwise you're just watching reruns and nobody watched Seinfeld for reruns they watched it to see what was new the next coming week so um, I guess comparing it to that just realistically using technology using everything we can to make it different make it unique go to different racetracks do different things otherwise we're just being repetitive um, have there been ways that have been implemented over time to help you personally perform better whether it be the clothing that you wear or all of the technologies to help you perform as a competitor? I think, yeah, there's a lot of technology that's been involved in safety, um, you know, the safer barriers, the things that we do with the foams inside the race cars. I mean, you can look back to the history of uh, padding inside the race cars. It was plumbing, plumbing padding. It was just, you know, insulation that we put on roll bar tubing. Now guys have figured out how to use the right consistency, the right durometer of foam to make it safe for the drivers. And that goes throughout the entire race car and it's been applied to the racetracks. So, um, you know, Safety has probably been one of the biggest things from my perspective that it's been advantageous to keep in my head um, without being concussed and um, you know being able to be there each and every week to continue to perform. 
we know that one of the drivers, the younger drivers, was never really a race car driver. He was doing simulators his whole life. Do you sense that that, that could be the future of the sport, that young drivers would be essentially simulators and that type of, can it go in that direction? You can get there, I think, but you still have to have, there's always a difference between the simulator and in real life. So, I mean, the simulator might give you some some good direction, and but, you know, I think there, there's a feel that you have to have, like, to actually be on track. Um, you know, you actually have to feel the car and know, know what it's doing. And I don't know that you always get that in the simulator. So, I think you can get a lot of direction from it. Um, and it, you know, it, it helps, and there's a lot of kids, obviously, that are able to come up that way. Um, I don't think it necessarily means, though, that just because you're really good and in the simulator and what you can do there, that you're going to be a really good race car driver as well. Um, how is it, you have an engineering degree? How, how has that helped you through the process of being a driver? Being an engineer is a curse. For every answer you get, it creates two additional questions, so your work's never done. But at the same time, I have a common language with the guys to be able to understand what's going on and at least try to describe it to them better because I'm the only one that gets that seat of the pants feel and be able to put it into words for them helps them to understand what I'm feeling and how we can potentially make the race car go faster. What's the next big thing in NASCAR? What, what technology is changing something that fans and, and are going to see down the road? Um, I know like we're looking at and, and NASCAR is looking at uh, next generations, um, which you know they're obviously they're in the sport trying to kind of kind of limit the, the costs and expensive things, but it's also going to bring along some new designs and technology. Um, I think you know the. The next car um, is going to have some different different suspension uh, parts to it. We'll probably get away from some of the, uh, the solid rear axle type stuff we run um, and be looking at more independent suspension. Just kind of getting more current with with current cars. Um, you know, there, there's ideas like that that are coming along. I think the the simulation side is going to be even more important. You know, when that when that comes along and what they're doing there. So uh, there's things like that coming along. Yeah. Is there anything in the sport that you're seeing now that you'd like to see implemented quicker into racing? Well, you can always make the cars safer, um, always. So that's probably one of the biggest things, making the racetrack safer. My biggest pet peeve has always been keeping the race cars on the racetrack so they don't fly. Um, when we fly a race car, we endanger the fans, which is, to me, more important. They don't have the safety apparatuses around them that the drivers do. So um, that's, that's my biggest thing, is keeping the race cars on the racetrack. They make a lot of downforce in one direction, but they make a lot of lift when they get spun around. Um, and we don't need to be flying race cars. I'll let you guys go with this. What, what do fans want from you guys? I know there's accessibility, but there's a different level of connectivity now that is out there with the way that they can connect with you. What, what are they telling you that, that they want more of? Well, there's there's a, so much diversity in fans. You've got old school fans, you've got new school fans, and I think ultimately you you have to perform an entertainment that is good for all of them um, because you go to a certain racetrack that maybe a guy watched the 76 Daytona 500 and thought that that was the greatest race ever, and we're not going to have that race again, but we need to have something from that race that it, you know makes them feel connected, and then we have to have, you know connect to the younger generation. and you know, different um, countries and things like that. So that's, that's I think, the challenge is to make, you know, a, a globally broader spectrum of fans out there. And um, you can't do that each and every week. You can't do that when you go to Loudoun. You can't do that when you go to uh, Daytona or Sonoma. Um, it, equally, you have to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are. And uh, that's, that's up to them. I just drive the car. You heard Ryan Newman mention simulators. 
Up-and-coming driver William Byron, at the time of this taping, is vying for a spot in the NASCAR playoffs. He's 21 years old, and he didn't race a car until he was 15. His training came in simulators, like the iRacing machine that was on display at the race and I got to try out. Think of those old-school racing games and arcades where you actually sit in the seat and you change gears. Only this thing takes you on an oval or a road course and truly simulates the feel of driving in NASCAR. It is tech-forward and it is amazing. Here's Lou Garotti, the Senior Vice President of Partnership Marketing again. Obviously, you know, technology and, and racing uh, have always been sort of hand-in-hand uh, hand, and eSports falls right into that space. And, you know, we've actually been in eSports before we even knew what eSports was. We, we have a product out there called iRacing that is simulated racing. And, um, you know, the, the Roush Fenway guys, John Henry, was an initial investor in, in this iRacing. Um, and it's really a, an opportunity for, for aficionados uh, uh, of racing to have an opportunity to race a car without actually having to spend the money and buy an actual race car. And it's, it's pretty similar to, to a real race car. And we actually have a driver in the Spring Cup Series named William Byron that he learned how to drive a race car in iRacing. And he, he became a champion in that series and then jumped into a truck and he's made it all the way to, to, um, to the Cup. But, you know, obviously we started there, but we formalized that. There's a league around that. There's a league around console games, so we have a NASCAR heat game. So we see that as an important step, and I told you a big initiative for us is consumption. So we got to get interest up first, right? Interest drives consumption. And the way we're getting interest up is through the eSports platform. Auto racing was essentially an eSport before eSports became a thing. There is another interesting factor. Motorsports leagues never seem to have any specific link to one another. NASCAR and IndyCar both have high-profile races at the Brickyard, but do they ever cross-promote one another? No. In Europe, Formula One and NASCAR never seemingly cross any paths. So it's possible that eSports could help bridge fans of motorsports into one larger tent. Here's Tim Clark, Vice President of Digital. Well, I want to go back to eSports for a moment yeah. with you. Um, so. There is no, at least in my opinion, any literal connection to IndyCar or Formula One or other types of racing around the world. Do, do you sense that esports could bring NASCAR and Formula One and those type of brands together in any way? I, I do, and I also think that that's what is the, the smart decision for all of us, right? I mean, I think if you look at, um, at, at all the forms of motorsports, uh, not only uh, domestically, but worldwide, I think you're a motorsports fan. I don't. I don't know that there are, um, you know, vast majority of fans that have no interest in other forms of motorsports. They're just loyal to one and, and one only. And and I think we see that very much as an opportunity, um, you know. And, and if esports can be kind of that fabric that starts to create some connectivity, uh, I, I think that that's a that's a great opportunity. And I, I think we're we're seeing some signs of that now. So what do fans actually want? As David Wilson from Toyota put it, just loud cars? How does NASCAR welcome its legion of traditional fans who root for brands, drivers with a historic background versus the new school machine-learned racers who are proving AI can be a substitute for the real thing? And what about gambling? Everyone we spoke to agrees it's gonna be part of the programming. Will it come in the form of props that alter as race conditions change? We'll see. And is it really going to have the effect that football or basketball leagues expect in their broadcasting models? It was all worth pondering over a great glass of Cabernet. And what was clear was maybe more than any other sport, 
NASCAR has a wide array of modern advancements to grapple and eventually grow with. Thanks for taking the ride with us this week. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.